Hi, I'm Jimmy Alexander, and welcome to Out With Jimmy. It's the second episode of the podcast where members of the LGBTQ community share their coming out stories with you. I ask you to go to Apple Podcasts, click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And while you're there, can you do me a solid? Do you mind writing a positive review and as many stars as you possibly can? Thank you. And I want to thank all of you who reached out to me on social media at Outwood Jimmy and gave such positive feedback. Thank you so much. And if you'd like to share your coming out story, please go to OutwoodJimmy.com. This week, we're going to find out if a son of a missionary who was homeschooled and works at Chick-fil-A can possibly be happy and gay. That's because Justin Lewis is out with Jimmy. I'm Justin Lewis. I live in Manassas, Virginia. <laughs> I work for Chick-fil-A. I am on Grinder, and I'm a gay man. <laughs> How's that for relationship status? I don't believe you're only on Grinder. <laughs> now, Justin, who was the first person you looked at and you said out loud, I'm gay? Oof. I actually, I posted that on my Instagram story once because I was going through my middle school yearbook and someone that followed me still on Instagram tagged that person, I think. Um, but it was this football player at uh, Thoreau Middle School where I went. I remember I was like, you know, beforehand when you're gay, you're kind of like, no, no, I, I'm just a pious Christian. That's why I'm not attracted to these women. Yeah. And I was like, and I was like, no, I'm not gay. I just admire these men just as men do. They sure. admire each other. But I was like in the locker room one day and I was just kind of like, Oh, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, just, I should mention, and if you go to um, Out With Jimmy on Twitter or Instagram, you will see Justin, and you will see that Justin looks like a cast member from uh, Book of Mormon. <laughs> How old were you when you were in that locker room going, uh-oh, this ain't good? Eighth grade? Eighth grade. And I'd had like, kind of like a concept of it before, probably around seventh grade. But just I was so, I mean, I was homeschooled before that, um, so I just had no concept of what sexuality was besides man and a woman okay Justin. Um, we should mention a couple things first he um works at chick-fil-a <laughs> and you were homeschooled and your parents are they're missionaries missionaries yeah. former missionaries yes. former so parents are former missionaries you work at chick-fil-a and you were homeschooled so this isn't exactly the gateway uh <laughs> to to gay no not, not quite you were homeschooled to what age I was homeschooled until about fourth grade and then entered into something worse than homeschool, which was a small Christian private like co-op. Yeah. Co-op. It's very, very hard to explain, but... Uh, well, in a couple words, try to explain what a co-op is. Hmm. It's basically an insulated echo chamber. So homeschooling doesn't shelter you enough, but they take all these kids with the exact same very conservative Christian mindset and throw them together so that you feel that it's normal. If that mm. makes sense. Yeah. So it's kind of, uh, you're drinking the Kool-Aid at school. Yes, exactly. Is what it is. Yeah. Okay, so you were in that from fourth grade till when? That was in that until seventh grade, which is when the co-op actually closed down mm. <laughs> for multiple reasons. Yeah. Um, was it shut down by the owners or the people running it, or was it shut down by an organization that said, you must shut down? Um, a mix of all of that. <laughs> Mainly, I think it was just the drama between the moms. Uh, mm. There was no one more catty than... Christian conservative moms, I'll say that. So seventh grade, you go where after seventh grade? Um, seventh grade, I was in Thoreau Middle School, and that was kind of a shock point to me because growing a, up is in that these, a public middle school? That was a public okay. middle school. It's out in um, near Vienna. Okay. Um, and that was a shock thing for me. I remember the first day I went, and you know, I was holding the door open for people. I was just kind of like, oh, I'm so ready and excited to meet all these other students. 
I had no, I just had no clue what the real world was like. And I remember I was holding the door on like the first day for people and people were just like, what are you holding the door for you faggot? Like I was just trying to be this nice guy. And then very quickly was <laughs> broken of that. But, but I can say, Justin, we've both been to bars that people have said the same thing to us and they meant it in a good way. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so there you are now. You're in a public middle school mm-hmm. being called faggot. Yeah. Was that a common thing that happened to you or? I, I don't think. <sighs> because I would say in, because I believe in the Kinsey scale. I'm, I'm a yeah. Kinsey scale guy. So, Absolutely. you know, you have on one side, you have uh, John Wayne. And on the other side, you have Nathan Lane. <laughs> and somewhere we all fit somewhere in the between. And I would say that you probably are hit by, on by women because you're very good looking. I and, and I would imagine that women are hitting on you. Yes, it happens. See, so. That's why I always I turn up my gay my gayness so they know I'm not hitting on them especially like at Chick Fil A like I'll give I'll give a woman a compliment and she's like well thank you and I'm like oh and then shoes too like you just gotta let them know sometimes that like this isn't harassment I'm gay and then there's the inevitable oh my god well let me just be your best friend now like <laughs> annoying <laughs> things that straight people say yes well, let's go shopping because they assume you shop yeah. RuPaul's Drag Race they assume you watch I actually used to be very into cars and I was very disappointed there's all these people talking about RuPaul's I was meeting gay people I was like oh is that like and even, you know, they have like the flags. I was like, oh, cool. This is like a drag race show. Like, I didn't realize gays were so into cars. And no. I watched an episode. And I was like, this is. No. no, no this, this is, is not, not what I was expecting. There's no rebuilding a carburetor on RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the first celebrity you looked at and you thought, oh, my, I'm gay. Hmm. Was there a celebrity? So actually, my first like real celebrity crush was like Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan. Yeah. And okay. I was like, I have to be gay for like Meg Ryan. Right, well, <laughs> were you watching When Harry Met Sally? What yes, When Harry Met Sally, French Kiss, oh. like all the, all those classics. It's so her like, moaning that you like. <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah. No no heterosexual kid's favorite movie is French Kiss. Like, <laughs> No. I mean, I don't think many Meg Ryan's uh, fans' favorite movie is French Kiss. Of all of them, there's Fair. other ones that you <laughs> right. would go to first. I would say currently, definitely Chris Hemsworth. Just, oh my you God. You like his hammer, do you? <laughs> Thor. That's what I meant by that. Was that a common thing being bullied in or comments like that being made to you? Well, that's just locker room talk. But, <laughs> well, but well, quite literally that. So, I mean, I would say, though, at that point, I don't think it was so much like a targeted. Like, I, I was very much, again, I straight passed through most of middle school and high school. Um, but, I mean, it was just kind of like, it was not to negate the say, impact it had. When but. you say straight passed, explain what that means. So, it's kind of, um, again, kind of on the scale. There are people who are more like visibly gay, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's like grievances, even people on, like, let's say the trans spectrum who like don't necessarily have the privilege that I had. And that, like, I could walk into a, like a room, I could talk to people, no one would know I was gay. Um, not all people have that or identify with I that totally necessarily. Yeah. Where a lot of people, friends of ours, probably friends of yours, who've gone through hell and back because yeah. of that. Some of my first gay friends, even uh, one of them, Zach, the, the moment you meet him, you just kind of know. Um, and it's, it's a very endearing trait. He's a hundred percent fully himself, but you know, like people like that, I think faced much worse bullying because you can't just turn that off. That's just who he is. Whereas for me, I would kind of like slide. I was very much a, a social chameleon. Like, <laughs> I understand that, yeah. So when's the first time you finally admitted to yourself that you were gay? Well, that's actually when you invited me on this show. I was trying to like put together a yeah. timeline because it's very nonlinear for me. Um, I mean, just given my, my faith background and everything, it took me just years of moments where I would accept it, deny it, accept it, deny it, kind of coming in and out of the closet with myself. Um, so yeah, like I remember I had like that moment, like, you know, like in the locker rooms or in shop class and like realizing like, no, like I don't like women. I think I, no, no, I don't like, men. I just, maybe I'm asexual yeah, or something. Cause I yeah. discovered what that was. And I was like, oh, this is perfect and not sinful. Yeah. So, I mean, but again, like kind of coming back to like the bullying, people calling someone so a faggot or you're a queen or this, I didn't feel like targeted by it. Cause I was like, oh, I don't identify as that. I was like, I'm gay, but you know, there's always like the two, it was kind of a different time, like a, that long ago. I feel like now a lot of 
people I know that are in high school are very open with their sexuality. It's more accepted to a degree. Yeah. When we've made tremendous product, like progress just in the past 10 years. But when I was in middle school, there was always like the one out kid. And he was just the most out kid. Like come to school in a flamingo outfit. Yeah. Like, and so for <laughs> me, I, that, that was what, because I didn't have an exposure to like the Kenzie scale or human sexuality. I was like, you're either straight or you're just. Yeah. 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 That, um, which is nothing wrong with that. But don't but you I look back at him now and like go. That kid had balls. I respect it. I've actually, I've reached out and apologized because there are a few kids that I even myself bullied, just like trying to fit in with that crowd and looking back, even like my friend Zach that I was talking about when I first met him, I was terrible to him because I was just, one, I think I was threatened by his like open, openness. people would see you. And, yeah. yeah. So who's the first person you looked at out loud and said, I'm gay? The first person? Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, and this kind of ties into working for Chick-fil-A, a lot of people are like, how dare you? Chick-fil-A has actually been instrumental to my experience as a gay man. I work for a very um, just amazing operator who owns that Chick-fil-A, and he's been very supportive. And the first person I ever said it to was this girl named Adrian, and she was a very open lesbian um, at Chick-fil-A. And she was just, I looked up to her so much, and um, I've told this before. I mean, it's she, like Capital Pride going over at that Chick-fil-A <laughs> in Manassas. <laughs> it, it really was. And uh, she was so open, and she actually ended up in a relationship at that Chick-fil-A. And seeing them, that was the first time... Again, every time the conversation came to gay people, I thought there were maybe a couple hundred in the world, and I thought they were all mis- <laughs> I thought they were all miserable. I thought they were all repressed. They, they hated them. It's just the lies I was told by my yes. parents. So seeing Adrian and this other girl really loving each other in a way that was so authentic changed my entire viewpoint. I was like, wow, like people of the same sex can love each other, and it can be authentic yeah. and beautiful. And it actually, like, I didn't because I started working there when I was sixteen. I think seventeen is when I came out there. So for a full year, I just watched them. And finally, one day, I texted her and I was like, I need to talk to you. So I pulled her into the office. And I mean. And I skipped. I didn't show up. And I did it again. Didn't show up. Finally, the third time. And then she knew. She knew I was doing. Because um, I'd always ask her questions like, how did you know you like girls? And, you know, all the yeah. questions the gay people just yeah. ask. And so I sat there and like, I couldn't say the words out loud because I'd been so terrified. And finally, she's like, it's okay. Like, you can say yeah. it. And I was like, I'm, I'm gay. And, just, and then we're just in the Chick-fil-A office and I'm bawling and she's holding me. And like, we're just <laughs> crying for like 30 minutes. Um, so that was really, that was the first time I said the words out loud. When I started this. Um, I thought about the people who were deeply hidden because I was for such a long time. And then the joy that you had, the weight of the world had to be off your shoulders mm-hmm. when you're saying this horrible truth yeah. that you didn't want to be true and that you didn't want to admit to anybody. You've hidden it for such a long yeah. time. And there you are saying it. How did that feel? It was one. I don't know. Like, it was like, it was, I wouldn't say it was a happy crying, but it was like, it was like a relief thing. It really did feel, I don't know if you ever read the book Pilgrim's Progress. No. Um, but in it, he's, it's a story of this man and he's carrying this heavy pack. It's an allegory for Christianity. Yeah. But for me, like in the end of the book, he finally like takes the sack off and he's free of it. For me, it really felt like that. Um, cause even though I didn't know what I was going to do with this information, it didn't, I had no plan with it. I just, just having another human. Cause I'd actually, I'd done like programs like the Trevor Project, anonymous texting and things like that but never telling someone I knew or never, never saying it in person to someone. So like finally uttering those words, not just to like a human, but to someone who was a friend of mine yeah. was just, it really did. Keep, it kept me alive. Cause I remember when I finally did do, I was like, I either I'm going to tell Adrian this or I'm going to die. I couldn't hold it any longer. So, so Adrian really was uh, the first step of you being happy. Yeah. Again, homeschooled, worked at Chick-fil-A, <laughs> your parents are former missionaries, and now you have to face the truth. Mm-hmm. You're driving home. What's the next couple of days like for you? Terror at first. I was like, I was terrified because Adrian was a more, at this time, again, understanding, like I was very much a Christian conservative. I was volunteering with Republican candidates. I was doing all these things. I was terrified that she was going to do something to like expose me or force me out of the closet yeah. faster. And of course, looking back, I know she never would have, but like she was 
for my own health, trying to push me out. Yeah. And so I was terrified that like I might anger her or that like if I wanted to go back in the closet, she would reveal my secret, um, which was just very unfounded. But again, it was just such a, a horrifying secret. My entire life would be ruined if people knew, or so I thought. Yeah, that's what we all think. So, I mean, I, I remember I did go home, and I mean, I cried that entire night. I cried that entire next day. I, I felt, I really did. I woke up, and I was crying, but I felt I slept so well. Because again, just having that secret out and just knowing that there was someone I could text um, and just tell my concerns, tell t- even talking to guys with just stuff, stuff like that just was a game changer for me. Um, you said that you thought you were going to die mm-hmm. if you didn't get it out. Mm-hmm. Explain what you mean by them. Um, again, the language at school wasn't really what got to me. I mean, yeah, when you hear all that like very homophobic talk in locker rooms, it gets to you. But again, for me, I didn't identify with like, oh, well, so they're talking about those faggots, not me. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. Justin Lewis. Um, but coming home, again, you're hearing that, you're kind of dealing with that. And then my parents would say very homophobic. Just very, I mean, not even necessarily homophobic. I, I struggle to call my parents necessarily homophobic. But I mean, their faith is very central to them um, to a point where nothing else matters, which is respectable to a degree, I guess. Uh, but just things that they would say, just, you know, it's an abomination. It's terrible. These people are miserable. These people will never find love. Just... These kinds of things were very, they would weigh on me very heavily. Because um, you didn't yeah. want that to be your life. No, I, I didn't. And um, I, I mean, I was very, very much a devout Christian. It, it ruled my life. Um, and I always wanted that, that picket fence. I wanted to marry a nice woman. I wanted, I wanted to be a youth pastor, actually. I wanted to, I had this whole life planned. And my parents had it planned. And everyone knew what I was going to do. I was going to be Justin. I was going to be this prayer warrior. I was going to do all these great things. And then I had this, like, stumbling block of my sexuality. I was like, this can't be a thing. So, I was very much in conflict with myself and um, my parents always threatened my brother and I just for other behavioral things like, oh, we'll send you to military camp, we'll send you to this. And we actually had family friends that um, their kid misbehaved or something and he was sent to like this like wilderness camp um, where basically they just, the parents sign waivers that the camp can do whatever to the kids essentially. And these things still go on and they just drop the kids off in the woods and they make them do these survival techniques. They make them live out in the woods. Like it's to like break them of their bad behaviors. And there were camps like that that I'd heard people in my family talk about for gay kids. So I was like, if I come out now, I'm going to be sent to one of these camps. I can't do this. And you're like, 16 at this time? Um, this was, I mean, 16, yeah. all, the way for, all the way from like seventh grade up until 10th grade is when I was like kind of like struggling in terms of like, should I tell my parents? Because we had like a fairly close relationship, especially my dad and I. But I knew I was like, if I tell them, I'm going to get sued to a camp. And also I was struggling too. I, and this was very, very garbage theology. But um, because of this battle, I had constant suicidal thoughts, tendencies. I thought maybe if I... Right now, I'm a good Christian child. If I stop this now, if I end my life now, um, while I'm still in God's good graces, then I'll go to heaven, Ugh. and my parents won't have to. <laughs> my parents won't have to find out. Um, no one will find out. I can just die. It'll be over. No more. Because I mean, it was. I mean, you, you can probably remember being in the closet. It's a constant agony, especially before you tell anyone. Were there times that you prayed to God? Oh, incessantly. about this. And this is what I always tell people. Because now that I'm out, people <laughs> almost like forget. The amount of study I did. I've read the Bible cover to cover six times in like four different translations. Did you think I've, it was going to end a different way every time? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> well, every time you read it, you really do find something else. And each time yes. I read it, I was looking for like a loophole or new graces or et cetera. So, I mean, I know the Bible. I mean, I've read countless books on it. I've read 20 different books about sexuality and, and faith. Um, and each time, yeah, I, I mean, I had prayed incessantly, not even just to t- not be gay. I just prayed that God would give me the strength to be gay and to just... It's like the story of like Paul. He had a constant thorn in his side. I was like, maybe this is the thorn. Maybe this is God's challenge for me. This is the burden I meant to bear. I just want the strength to bear with it because I couldn't. And again, I wanted to die constantly. And I was like, I can't 
live like this. But I remember even in college, I went to a thing called Summer Beach Project. And it was just two summers where all we did was pray, do devotionals, read the word, fellowship, spread the gospel. And it was a very intense and raw. It stripped me down and to the point where I spent one night and I was like, I'm not going to leave. This was where we were at the beach. I went out to the, the ocean, at, I think, five-ish in the afternoon. And I was like, I'm not leaving until God answers my prayers with my sexuality. And I stayed out there and I screamed and I yelled and I cried for, I didn't get back until I think four in the morning and God just didn't answer it. And I was just kind of like, this is, I don't know where to go from here. Are you still a Christian? Um, No. And I'm not, not a Christian because of my sexuality. It just kind of opened. Okay. Do you believe in God? I would say I'm agnostic. I believe that there's a possibility that there is a God. But I don't think it's, let's just say this. If you look at just the expansiveness of the universe and just how big it is, I don't think that God cares what I put my penis inside of. <laughs> not, I don't know what else. I, to, I think he has bigger, bigger fish to fry. Yeah, yeah. Do you miss the relationship you had with God? Yes. Um, do you think, think it's a delusion? Like, but do you think you think it's a delusion? I think it was. So I, if you even look now, it's gotten really, really bad. If you go to these contemporary churches and like they have the fog machines going and they, they have the slow calls to the altar and they're like, if anyone's just in this audience, just the spirit is like it's designed to invoke these feelings. Yes. So I do look back and I think like how much of this was real and how much of this was just like you know the psychics who were like, let me read into your future. Yes. And I think a lot of it is an illusion. I, and I, I again, I think it was authentic to the most it could be. I mean. I had a deep belief in God, and I turned to him with everything. I mean, problems with my life, problems with my work, when's, everything. When's the last time you prayed? Um, <laughs> actually, my uh, my roommate, they're very devout Christians. They also work at my Chick-fil-A, and uh, we were all playing cornhole, and one of my roommates, they're married. Hold on, I her, just want to say, <laughs> not often you get to hear, so I was with my devout Christian friends who <laughs> work at Chick-fil-A, and we're playing some cornhole. Okay, so go ahead. And... um. One of my roommates, her water broke. And she's like, oh, crap. She's oh, she's pregnant. Birth. Yeah, she's okay. pre- she was pregnant. <laughs> um, and we're like, oh, wow. Like, we just, it was like a very shocking moment. And uh, all the people in that room were Christian. And so I was just kind of like, heck, it doesn't hurt me to pray. So we kind of all gathered together and we just like prayed over the baby. And we're like, oh, you know, just the usual. Very like, sweet. Yeah. But I think that's the last time. I mean, again, because I don't necessarily, I don't believe that God intercedes. But if it gives them comfort. How many siblings do you have? So I have four. One older brother and then two younger sisters. Okay. Of your siblings, who took it well? My brother, Josh, he took it the best. Um, and actually, my past with him is very troubled. We used to fight incessantly. A lot of the comments he made were very homophobic. I mean, he would he bullied me a lot. He was, and I've told him this, like one of the worst parts of my childhood. I mean, there was a lot of brokenness there. Ah. A lot of that came from just the environment that we were in as a home. Mm. Um, just a lot of it was instigated by just the tox- the toxic environment that we were in with um, and so we took out things on each other. Like my brother was, I, and it, it was just, he was doing the best that he knew yeah. how to do. And he um, was a kid. Yeah. We, and I was an, I was an annoying little gay kid who was struggling with his own sexuality. And you know how annoying that can be. And so yeah, it just, we didn't mix well. Um, but then he went off to kind of to college. And as I kind of got in more conflict with my mom and he'd always fought with my mom, we kind of bonded actually over our bad relationship with our mother. <laughs> So you're kind of like Michael and uh, Joe Bluth on the rest of it. We talk about that show all the time. Yeah. yeah. Is your mother Lucille Bluth? No comment. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> as we got closer and closer, we kind of talked. And I remember it's actually on Beach Project. And uh, on Beach Project, I realized, even if I don't choose to be gay, because if I was a Christian, but I knew I was gay, I was like, oh, God's made me gay so I can spread the gospel to other gay people. This is cool. I can work with this. 
So I was like, I just need to start telling people because whether I choose to live this lifestyle or not, it's a part of me. So I remember I called my brother because I just wanted him to know. And we'd gotten very close at this point. Um, and he'd apologized for everything. And I called him and I was like, that's what I need to tell you. I'm gay. <laughs> and he, he laughed. He was like, he was like, no, you're not. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm gay. He was like, how gay? <laughs> and I had, a, I, saw, <laughs> I had a picture of me actually kissing this guy. And this was my, I just said, and he was like, oh, he was like, so gay, gay. Gay. Like, That's really yeah. gay. And he, and he just said, shit, dude. And there was like silence. And then he kind of like got choked up. And he just said, I'm so <sighs> sorry. He was like, all this time I thought, because again, neither of us were really Christians in that home towards the end. And uh, my family was very judgmental towards my brother for it. He's like, all the time I thought I was the victim of our family environment. He's like, I had no clue that you were struggling with this entire time. Mm. He's like, I can only imagine what you've been through. And so I said, yeah. And so then I kind of told him my strip to that point and we just kind of like cried over it. And I mean, he's just been incredible ever since. He's been my rock. Um, just super supportive. Gone out to gay bars with me. Like, tried to hook me up with like friends. It just That's a good brother when yeah, he's trying yeah. to hook you up with friends. <laughs> yeah. um, so your sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so... My parents actually told me I wasn't allowed to come out to my sisters. They didn't want me to expose them to anything, mm-hmm. um, which was tough. Uh, so I kind of respected that at first. But my sister, Abby, I knew was going to come and work the Chick-fil-A. I worked at. She'd been hired on. And I knew she was going to find out because I was open there. And I didn't want her to find out that I was gay from someone else. I was like, I need to tell her. So we were on this beach trip, which, ask me about that beach trip later because that was a mess. Okay. Um, and we're, my brother and I were in a hot tub and Abby came down and joined us. Grace was gone. And uh, Abby, Abby was 16 at this point and old enough to know and understand. I, f- I felt like she was homeschooled, so I was kind of nervous. Um, and I told her, I was like, so I need to tell you, Abby. She was like, what? It's like, I'm gay. And there was like a silence. And she said, oh. And then I think she knew she wasn't. I think she knew, but she knew she wasn't supposed to know. And so she kind of like left and we didn't talk about it. Um, and that was it. That was all we said. And then a few months later, I came back for like a Christmas break and stayed with some people and Abby made a gay joke. <laughs> it, took me, it took me by, I was shocked. And my gay friend who I was with was like, <laughs> and ever since then, her and I have just been really close about it. It's um, it's different. I mean, because she's very Christian and she's still homeschooled and in very much in my mom's environment. So I know she believes a lot of things about me and my lifestyle that yeah. are very hurtful. Um, but I love her enormously. I love both of my sisters enormously. Um, and I, I do think in a few years, when she's out on her own, I think we'll be a lot closer so let's talk about the beach trip. Um, so that kind of ties into me coming out. I had two kind of coming out points. I came out to my parents when I was 18, and I'd gotten, I got a full scholarship to college. So I knew, like, I can do this, and if they try anything, I can, I can live. I can get out and escape. Mm-hmm. And I told them, I was like, there's something I really need to tell you guys, but there are rules. And so we came up with it. I was like, we're not going to talk about this ever again unless I bring it up. No comments. I was like, you can't send them anywhere. You can't tell anyone, like, all these things. So I'm sure they knew. Um, and I didn't have the courage to tell them, actually. So what I did is I wrote an email. I was like, I'm going to send you both an email at this time. I have to work tonight at Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. I was like, you guys can open this email at 7 o'clock together. And in the email I wrote out my, that I struggled with same-sex attraction, my history with that, and my struggles with that. And I was like, and we'll talk about this tomorrow. So then I got home from work, and I went, and I stayed with a friend. And then I met with them the next day. And it was the most somber. And I, again, I think they knew, and they kind of hinted at that. Mm-hmm. They knew, but they were in denial. Um, it didn't go well. It was, it went better than I thought it would. I, was, I mean, I had no concept. Again, my my, my fear was they were going to me a conversion therapy or mm-hmm. whatever. Which, they, I mean, they asked questions here and there, but I remember like one of the most hurtful moments 
was my mom said, she was like, even before you were born, we prayed that this would never happen to us. And it was just like very hurtful. I mean, what do you mean to us? And then she was like, we just don't know what we did to cause this. Like, What, what did we do wrong? And just those comments were just, I don't know. Uh, and my dad actually even said something along the lines of, well, I'm so sorry you've had to struggle with this, which it was better. That's kind. At least, yeah. yeah. But um, just the response was very much like, oh no, not us. And they said, because my dad worked in ministry and they said, well, of course you can't tell anyone else this. This would ruin the ministry. Um, and there are even people who, when they found out I was gay, they're like, if you can't control your son, how can you control a ministry? So yeah, I, I, they were told, like, uh, they told me basically, like, you can't tell anyone this. They also printed out a contract. Um, they had multiple rules on it. They're like, if you want to continue living with us, you have to sign this contract. And one of them was no deviant sexual acts, which was code for you cannot be gay. I would and, like to ask them, list the top five deviant acts. We'll see if we can get it done by Tuesday. I have me on Snapchat. I did it all yesterday. <laughs> but <laughs> mm, Fair. And the conversation actually went poorly. And of course, one of the first things they said was, here's some camps you should go to. And they tried to hand me all this literature. And they deny it now. But they, if I'd come out before I was 18, they definitely would have sent me to one. I know for a fact. And my mom's even admit, admitted it once. Um, and we never really talked about it after that. Again, I was still a devout Christian in their eyes, I, in my own eyes. Um, I was just a Christian who also happened to be into men mm-hmm. but i was praying on that and that was kind of it that was we never really talked about it and i went to college in south alabama um so that was the first kind of coming out but the second time coming out i was home the summer of 2017 at this point i'd realized like something is not right with my faith i'm miserable like this i don't believe scripture adds up these things don't make sense to me i need to explore these things and there's actually a mormon guy that I'd been chatting with on Tinder for like years on and off. And it wasn't anything sexual. It was literally just like a, a friendly thing. And finally, um, I forget who proposed it first, but we're like, let's go to Pride together. And I, again, mind you, at this point, I going to college in South Alabama and being homeschooled. I still thought there were only a couple hundred gay people in the world. In the world. Yeah. So we, we met up. And you had a, feel, a feeling that way. You had to feel so alone. I did. So we go, I put on my gayest outfit, which was a, a pink button up like polo and you know, like some chubbies yes. and sperries. And I was like, Oh, I'm so gay right now. So ridiculous. Yes. Um, like the perfect, like log cabin Republican outfit. <laughs> and um, we met up and we went and I held his hand and we walked around and I got off the, I got onto the Metro and I, Holy shit, there's probably like a thousand gay people in this metro. All of them in the world are here right now. No, literally, that's how I felt. I felt like, holy shit, like, where am I? And um, we metroed in, and more and more gay people kept getting on the train. I was getting excited. They were laughing, and none of these people looked miserable. None of them looked lonely. All these lies I've been told about gay people were slowly shedding off, and like my eyes were getting opened. And um, again, a lot of them were like the flamboyant ones my parents talked about, but it didn't seem so bad anymore. I was like, these people love their lives. They're not just being ridiculous. No, this is who they are. And then they were also like, the log cabin yeah. gays that were very formal. Yes. And, uh, um, and we got off the metro. And, and then the bears. And then the, yes, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the pups. And then the pup, yeah. my, my sheltered eyes were like, oh, my goodness. And um, we got off and walking around. And it wasn't even really anything romantic with this guy, but like holding a man's hand. And, you know, and we started getting drunk. And it was, it really was the happiest moment of my life. And that moment, I think that was the first time I felt pride. I was like, wow, I could be gay and happy. This is crazy. And I remember, I actually have a picture of me kissing this guy. And again, nothing romantic, but just this picture of me kissing this dude out in public. Um, but where it kind of takes a turn, I went to Pride with an ally, this girl, Caitlin, from my church. And she kind of took us out there. And But what I didn't know <laughs> was that Caitlin's parents were having dinner with my parents that night. Like, what are the odds? 
And Caitlin's parents were super yeah, chill, boy. relaxed. And so she told them, she's like, oh, I'm going to Pride with some friends. Oh. Um, and they were like, yeah, okay. Um, and so my parents, though, that night at dinner with Caitlin's parents were like chatting. And they're like, oh, so what's Caitlin up to? And they were like, oh, well, she's in uh, Pride with some friends. And my parents were like, well, that doesn't add up. Because Justin said he was hanging out with Caitlin tonight. Oh, boy. Yeah. So I get home again, and I'm the happiest I've ever been. I've got like glitter on me. I've just, I've had the time of my life. I'm literally... The happiest moment of my life. I get home and my parents are like, so what are you proud of? Mm. And that could have denied it. I could have been like, oh, I was just going and having fun or this. Again, I had felt pride for the first time. And at that point, I was like, I'm proud that I'm gay. And they were like, we have to talk about this. So we didn't talk for a week about it. And then finally, it's the day before Father's Day. And they sit me down and they were like, we're worried about your soul. Uh, we don't know what you're doing. She's like, you know, this is morality. Like, this sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Um, we, we love you, we want you in this house, but you're bringing bad spiritual warfare into this house with your sin. You're breaking the contract. If you want to live in this house, you have to renounce your sexuality. And uh, I couldn't do it. And so that afternoon, I grabbed my backpack and my stuff. And um, I didn't really have a plan, but I was like, I'm just, I'm, I'm leaving. And I walked out of the house and I went for um, like a half, like I ended up, well, I think, walking like three miles. And actually, I walked to this dam, this dam by my house uh, out in Gainesville. And I sent a Snapchat just of this dam because I was pondering something. <laughs> and my friend Nick thought I was going to jump off of it. So he was like calling me. He's like, Justin, don't jump. Yeah. And everything. But they drove out and picked me up. And uh, I, mean, I was kind of in shock. That, like, this has just happened. Like, I'm out of my family. And he picked me up and he brought me over to the house. That's when it like, hit me. Like when I got there and he went to my house with me and I picked up all my stuff and went back. And I just came home and his mom like hugged me because she knew the whole story. And I just started like crying. It was what needed to be done, but it just wasn't the way I wanted to do it. I mean, again, the words are hurtful to hear. And also now I was stranded. So I was there that summer. I was working an internship actually for a local Republican, one of the most conservative Republicans in Prince William County. Um, and I was like, what's going to happen here? I'm losing all of my job prospects. Like my dad was going to recommend me to this person for a firm and I was going to get a job. And now I'm not going to get that. Like I'm, I'm losing literally everything. And also how am I going to get back to college? I don't have a car. I'm stuck. And so that's where we get to the beach. Uh, I talked to my family very sparsely the rest of that summer. They would invite me to the house sometimes. I had to have an invite to come mm -hmm. over and see my sisters. So the home but, you grew up in. Yes. You now need a formal invitation yes. to come there. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is probably for the best. Yeah. Um, and again, they, they loved me. To them, they were just doing the best thing. And again, to their faith, like, yeah, like my sinful sexuality was bringing demonic presences to the house. So they couldn't have that. Which is like, I, I understood it as someone who grew up in that house. But it was, it was very hurtful. And I... The Jesus that I had come to understand, because I was still a Christian at this point, was all about love and acceptance and talking to the lepers and talking to the... So I couldn't get it. But they invited me. Uh, the vacation every year was in Panama City Beach. And they were like, well, we will invite you as a guest to come on this family vacation, bring you down to Panama City Beach. You can travel with us and stay in our condo. And one of your friends can come and pick you up and take you back to college. So I, I went on this family vacation as a guest. <laughs> as a, yeah. And it was, it really was so awkward. Because we all knew things were different. My brother, I told him the story. And so he was mad. He was furious with my parents. Um, it was very awkward. Like my brother and I weren't invited to half the family events. There was a restaurant that my parents, we went to Panama City Beach every year for the past like seven years. And there's a diner that we always go to. Um, it's my dad's favorite place. They like started leaving. And uh, I was like, where are you guys going? Like, the restaurant. We didn't think you'd want to come. But you can join us if you'd like. And just like that realization of like, I'm no longer part of this family because I'm not this faith and that was kind of like the final like oomph and uh yeah it was it was brutal well now 
it's been how many years since? So that was 2017. So two years ago. Yeah. How often do you see your parents? Um, it varies. And how's your relationship with them? It's difficult to say. Um, I call them every now and then with updates, and they call me with updates. They actually just moved to Florida. They moved to Panama City Beach. Was it sad to you that they moved so far away? No. Um, again, I love my parents, but so whenever they would invite again, invite mm-hmm. me to my childhood house, I felt like I had to go. I wanted to see my sisters. I wanted to see my family. There's always that hope that things are going to change or that um, we'll have that conversation that's just going to heal everything. So I would go. And even when nothing problematic would be said, or it was very healthy. Like I would leave the house and my mental health would just be terrible for two days. Like I would have, I'd feel this need to drink or to like, I, like I would just be a wreck for days. My, my parents and I had nothing in common anymore. For my parents, there was only their faith and there was only their ideology and there's no room for anything else. So when you would go there, there's this like cold emptiness where we understand that I'm not even in their house because I'm their son. I'm in their house because I'm a ministry opportunity mm-hmm. and they think I'm going to hell. And it's a tough place to be. So, But again, you couldn't turn down the invite. So now it's kind of ni- not nice, but I'm happy for them because they've always wanted to live in Florida. My dad's pursuing a new line of work that he's very excited about. So I'm, I'm happy for them. Do you miss them? I miss the relationship that was there, but just, I mean, Justin, do you miss being um, that little boy who could sit on his dad's knee? Not that you would do that as an adult, but I'm saying <laughs> uh, that's that's a different daddy. But I'm yeah. saying, I'm saying, do you miss feeling them hug you and feeling safe in their arms because mom and dad are here and they will protect you and love you forever? Do you miss that? It's honestly been so long since I've had that. Because even when I was 16, each hug was terrifying to me. I was like, what if they know? Or if they can sense it? Um, but yeah, I do miss like, the old days when it was, yeah, I came home and home was a safe thing. I would come home. There'd be cookie dough. We would just talk and chat. And life was very simple. But the life that I have now is just so perfect. And I actually like, <laughs> love myself now. That's like, no, I, I can't say that I do. I would love to have that, but I would never trade what I have now. When's that. the first moment you loved yourself? Probably that pride, I would say. The biggest moment was actually this past pride, this past DC pride. Um, I went to the festival on Sunday. And um, and uh, I don't know if you know who uh, Jeremiah Harmon is. He was on American Idol. Mm-hmm. He has that song, Almost Heaven, which when I saw that on TV, mm-hmm. saw, it was a very emotional like song for me. I didn't know he was going to be performing at Pride. Um, but I was there with some of my best friends. I mean, I have a whole chosen family now in DC. And I was there and I was already just loving it and having a great time and all of a sudden i heard a voice i was like that sounds like the guy from almost heaven and then it was and he actually started performing almost heaven and i just like just started like sobbing and i grabbed my friend Noah, and he grabbed me and just but that was the first time i was like absolutely no regrets i've made the right choices everything's gonna be fine but yeah i think this past pride was the first time that i fully loved all of myself i was like no i'm not an abomination I, there is a, if there is a heaven, there's a place for me. Um, not in my parents' heaven, but in mine. Um, and it was, yeah, (laughs) ever since then, I have no regrets. If you could go back and tell that little boy who was praying (laughs) not to, to, to die. Yeah. Cause that was a thought that you would, if you killed yourself now, Mm -hmm. you would still be able to go to heaven. Mm -hmm. What would you tell that kid? Um, (laughs) I've actually thought about that a lot. Um, I would tell him that heaven wasn't so abstract. Um, 
that heaven was going to be in like the little moments that he was going to have. Like you're holding that man's hand. Oh, you know, kissing someone you love. Oh, just sharing those experiences. I would tell him that heaven was only a few years away. Justin, buddy, thank you so much for sharing your story. You're a brave young man, and I'm sure a lot of you can identify with Justin. If you'd like to see the interview, go to Out With Jimmy on YouTube, and you can watch the whole thing. If you'd like to share your story, go to outwithjimmy.com and reach out to us on social media, Out With Jimmy on Instagram. It's Out With Jimmy Alexander. Special thanks to Podcast One, WTOP, and especially Julio Ziegler for allowing us to record in these beautiful studios. And I would like to thank you for listening this week. I so appreciate it. And I hope you're back next week because we're going to find out what it's like to go through hell and back just to be yourself. That's because Taylor Luann Chandler will be out with Jimmy. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.